Shabbat Shalom. Good day, y'all. I'm happy to be here uh, for another festive evening, and hopefully you guys are too. My computer is very angry at me right now, and it is hissing. You know, you know what? When your computer is overworked and it just hisses at you, it's overheated. So hopefully you guys don't hear too much of that right now. And what do we, what have we here before us? This is, of course, The Unexpected Cosmology, my website. And you can see there my latest book, The Glorious Appearing of Yahushua HaMashiach. I wanted to quickly take you guys on a tour through the store. If this is, this is actually not deja vu. I did this last week. So if you're like, are we on the right video? You're on the right one. Uh, that is, if you're in your 11th week of the Torah portions, which I believe this is. And I just want to do this more often and uh, just, you know, thank everybody for those of you who do support this ministry, make it possible. We are a small time publishing company, very ambitious because we're putting out new material every single month, uh, new books, uh, new books, new magazines. You can see right here my latest, uh, The Glorious Appearing of Yehusha HaMashiach came out uh, with that a couple of months ago and this one covers my writings on 70 a.d and the whereabouts what i call the fig tree generation leading up to the uh, destruction of the temple and the the glorious appearing uh the latest oh right here this month for those of you who are um subscribing this uh, for those of you who you know support us this month or next month uh, we have about five new books from Polly Hart in stock in her store that you guys can pick out. I should explain this really quickly that, uh, you know, for those of you who support $5 monthly, $15 monthly, 30, uh, 50, 70, 100, 150. Uh, that's right, Polly. Who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> uh, every single month, we're very grateful for everyone who supports. And so we give that exact amount of money back in a coupon to you. Uh, that you can then spend it in the store. So if you you know get five dollars a month, you get a five dollar coupon, ten uh, fifteen dollar coupon, thirty dollar coupon. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, you you don't have to get anything in here if you don't want to. Uh, but you can come in and you can get the same book every month and just give it out to friends. But we have of course a large selection here. Um, let's see what else we have here. The the latest magazine for January right here. It's uh, deals with. Uh, water consciousness, a lot of water, the star force, the star cities. It has my article on baptism. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, this is a book of the illuminators. And so one year ago, we started our TUC book club just over a year ago. Uh, we celebrated the one year anniversary. I'm really excited that we're still doing it, putting out new books every month. And one year ago, you can see on the far right over there, the books, books of the Nazarene. Uh, this was put out by uh, uh, Adam Fink of Parable of the Vineyard. We worked with him on that. And uh, what I have done now is I've taken that book, um, I've included the original two chapters in there, and also taken, uh, we've made it into a study book where we, every single verse uh, that we can find, which is almost most of them, we have uh, reference, uh, scripture verse, uh, script, uh, I need more coffee, hold on here. We have uh, chapter and verse references uh, taking you back to the canonical gospels and the Bible. And we've also included, because a lot of you really enjoyed the study we did on the uh, Book of Britain, which is a direct follow-up to uh, the books of the Nazarene. Its actual name is the Gospel of Clyde or the Book of the Illuminators. And if you can imagine uh, the Book of Acts it is the sequel to the gospels, the four canonical gospels. 
the Book of Britain is the direct follow-up to the Book of the Luminary. So we have put them in there together. This is the new release for uh, January. We have one other new release for January, and that is Bereshith, the first book of Moses, put out by yours truly right there. Uh, Pamela Glasgow, she's the one that uh, is put, put together. Well, actually, we're going through it. Uh, we're going through the end of Genesis. And so there you have it. This is in uh, solid paper, uh, hardback book form. And um, look, I'm excited for that. And we're going to have Exodus out real soon as well. And what else do we have here? Go down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. So this is a lot of Dawn stuff. Great products. Order it. You guys can order that if, for, the, for the subscribers. And uh, lastly, here at the bottom, I hope to put out like one new one per week at this rate. Uh, I want to put these are, of course, translations done by me or at least editing or translation. This was editing done by me. But this is the book of Pearl. I love this book to death. Uh, this is one of those I sourced in my book, The Hidden Wilderness. And this is free for anybody who um, uh, subscribes. You can come in, download this for free. So I hope to put in a lot of downloads for all the subscribers. All right. With that being said, let me open up our tour portion. So I'm going to have to kill the screen here. And my mouse right now is not letting me do it. All right. Bereshith, week 11. We're going to be going through Genesis 44 through 47. Got the date right. All right. Let's start reading. Bereshith. Then Yahuwah Daha, that'd be Yehuda, approached him. And now the context here is that if you remember call last week, we ended with the brothers coming to Mitzrayim. It's their second trip. Uh, Yosef held back Benjamin. Uh, he threw him in prison, basically. And it's kind of interesting that uh, what I didn't comment on last week is that, you know, as you guys know, Yosef was thrown in, sold in slavery. slavery. Man, I can't talk tonight. I need more coffee. Hold on. I was doing so well when we were meeting in the Discord group beforehand. So Yosef's brother sells him into slavery. And it's kind of interesting that he takes his own flesh and blood brother, Benjamin or Benjamin, and he also puts him in prison. And it's a test to see if the remaining 10 brothers, you know, how they're going to react to this. Are they going to react in the same way that they did with Yosef? Or are they going to be repentant of what they did to Yosef? And, and it's a great test because Benjamin is his true brother through Rachel. And so all the others came through one of the, the two um, maidservants or through Leah and um, see how they're going to react. So then Yehuda approached him and said to me, uh, Adoniah, grant now for your slave to speak to the ears of my Adon. You can see that I underlined or highlighted your slave there. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. And let not your anger burn with your slave. For you are to me like Pharaoh. My Adon asked of his slave, saying, Have you a father or brother living? And we replied to my Adon, A father lives with us, an old man, and a lad of his old age, the youngest. But his brother is dead. Besides him, there is none from his mother, so his father loves him. Then you said to your slaves, Bring him to me that I may set my eyes on him. But we replied to my Adon, The youth is not able to leave his father. For if he leaves his father, then he will die. You, ha you, however, said to your slaves, if you do not bring down your younger brother with you, you shall not again see my face. 
And when we went up to your slave, my father, he was informed of the demand of my Adon, so that when our father said, return and buy us a little food, we replied, we cannot go down unless our youngest brother's with us. Then your slave. Now, the reason they're, you know, they're giving their whole story here, they're trying to be as transparent as possible. You know, the whole time, Yosef is calling them spies. Um, and, you know, basically like reading between the lines and all that kind of stuff. They're like, no, no, no. Like, we're telling you the truth. Like, everything we're saying. And if you recall, uh, their father, Yaakov, he's like, why are you guys telling him all these details? Now he knows you have a brother that you didn't bring with them. So they had to go back and get Benjamin and bring them back. We cannot go down unless our youngest brother's with us. Then your slave, our father, said to us, you know that my woman bore me two lads, and one went from me. And I said, alas, he has been torn to pieces, and I shall see him no more. And if you take this one from my face, and an accident should happen to him, you will bring my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. So now, if I should go to your slave, my father, and the youth is not with us, whose life is bound to his life, I really like that there. As you can see, I highlighted, I want to talk about that as well, about the idea that uh, Benjamin is bound to Yaakov's, or we would call him uh, Yasharel now, to Yasharel's life, whose life is bound to his life. It will be then when he observes that the youth is not with us, he will die. And that's really crazy. This idea that if something happens to Benjamin, that Yasharel will die, apparently. And your slave will cause the gray hairs of your slave, our father, to go down in agony to the grave. Besides, your slave pledged himself for the youth to my father, saying, if we do not bring him back to you, then let me be banished from my father all my days. So now I pray, let your slave return, or I'm sorry, let your slave remain instead of the youth as a slave into Adoniah, and let the youth return with his brothers. For if I go up to my father and the youth is not with me, then I shall see the misery that will come upon my father. So what's happening here is Yehuda is basically saying, let my life be forfeit. Take me as your prisoner, as your, you know, your in-house slave, release Benjamin, let him go back with the other brothers. Just take me, you know, don't take this out on him. So this idea that the life was bound, uh, life was bound to life. All right. And Yasharel, the firstborn. Okay. So I'm going to take you back to the beginning of Bereshith to Cain and Abel. And this is what we read. Yahuwaha accordingly asked Cain. Cain had just killed his brother Abel. Where's your brother Abel? But he replied, I do not know. Am I my brother's guardian? Famous line right there. Yahuwaha, the ever living, however, answered, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, this has been long commented upon. I probably commented upon this earlier in the Torah portions, this idea that the voice of the brother's blood, I find that fascinating that our blood has a voice to it that cries out. Uh, I think that's totally legit. I mean, the more we're learning about, we live in a, this electrical realm and, you know, energy and, um, you know, we, we see the world materialize around us, right? But one of the things that's been commented on here is that it, it it's actually – the, the voice of the brother's blood is actually in plural. And what Yahuwah is actually stating here is that there was this expectation of all the descendants that would come from Abel that have now been silenced. They've now, they too have been, when Abel was murdered, they've all been taken out as well. And if you guys can picture this, it's like if you were 
trying to get on a it's a very busy airport just packed out right holiday crowds and you're trying to get on an airplane you're next uh next in line you're about to get called in and then they announce the flight's been canceled indefinitely right maybe it's bad weather or something like that and it's all been blocked off now all the airports are backed up and you're like oh and there's like no hope of you imagine all the the pre uh pre-existent souls up in heaven in the the, the the soul sea or wherever they're at and they're all getting ready getting in line to come out and the announcements made sorry not happening right it's gonna have we're gonna have to figure something else out for you guys then we jump over to enoch and enoch is being taken by raphael to sheol and this comes from chapter 22 and from there I went to another place, and he showed me in the west a large and high mountain and a hard rock and four beautiful places, and inside it was deep, wide, and very smooth. How smooth is that which rolls and deep and dark to look at? Then Raphael, one of the holy angels who was with me, answered me and said to me, These beautiful places are there so that the Ruachoth, the souls of the dead, might be gathered into them. For them they were created." So that here they might gather the souls of the sons of men. So this is like the reverse of pre-existence, of course. And, you know, there's these places that Yahuwah uh, or Alahayam created just for the, the spirits of dead souls to go. This is one of the reasons that the Nephilim, uh, the demons cannot go there because they uh, were not, they do not have the same father of Ruachoth as we have. It was not made for them. And these places they made where they will keep them until the day of judgments. And until their appointed time and that appointed time will be long until the great judgment comes upon them and i saw the ruach of the sons of men who were dead and their voices reached heaven and complained then i asked raphael the angel who was with me and said to him who is this spirit this ruach whose voice thus reaches heaven and complains actually I'm, i probably need to take this down now because you guys can't read all this and he answered me and said to me saying this Ruach is the one that came out of Havel, whom Cain, his brother, killed. And he will complain about him until his offspring are destroyed from the face of the earth and perish amongst the offspring of men, his offspring perish. Now, I'm not here to comment tonight on the whole serpent scene and lineage and if they perished, if they're still here, so on and so forth. Um, but um, so it's kind of interesting here that we see, again, Havel crying out. We, there's another passage in uh, Second Adam and Eve where it says that the sons of Seth would invoke Havel's name when they would cry out as well. Um, so he's crying out, and again, he's got a whole lineage that is is broken off. Right, it's not going to come through him. And so you, you see that Cain is taking his place. Right, that's why he's crying out the injustice. Well, getting back to why. Um, Benjamin is tied into Yaakov. This is what we read here. Uh, according to Yosef's prayer, I, I recited from this like two or three weeks ago. I, Yaakov, who is speaking to you, am also Yasharel, an angel of Elohim and a ruling Ruach. He's saying that before he came down to the earth as, as Yaakov, he was a very high-ranked angel. Abraham and Yitzhak were created before any work, and so they were also you know, high angelic entities as well before the creation of the world. But I, Yaakov, who men call Yaakov, but whose name is Yasharel, am he who Elohim called Yasharel, which means a man seeing Elohim, because I am the firstborn of every living thing to whom Elohim gives life. So 
I was kind of thinking about this is the idea is I think what he's saying here, not in this passage right here. I mean, in this passage, according to this, uh, Yaakov is saying that he was the firstborn of all the spirits. Kind of interesting, right? Because it's Yasharel, right? And he's saying that if Benjamin were to die, it would be similar to Abel is that, you know, I'm the firstborn, all of Yasharel's to come through me. And now we've just, you know, cut off all the lineage of Benjamin. And so there's a, there's a, you know, a part of me that, you know, I'm going to die as well. Um, I'm not going to, you know, the fulfillment of what's supposed to happen. Now I'm throwing this in here, the DNA, the DNA changes in the mother, because I was thinking about this as he was talking about, you know, a parent saying that, you know, if my son dies, I'm going to die too. I got this off the internet. And as you guys know, the internet does not lie. This is an exact quote. Uh, most of the cells. Okay, so this is in a a pregnant mother. Okay, she's got a, a a fetus that is becoming a baby that is growing within her. Most of the cells coming from the fetus are destroyed by the mom's immune system, but some persist and become embedded in various organs and become a part of the parents. This phenomenon is called micro uh, uh, ch uh, chimerism microchimerism from the word chimera referring to a mythical creature made from parts of different animals um which is such an unfair term to call it but you know many of you have heard this before that the mother actually becomes her child the the dna of the baby enters like her dna and they kind of it's kind of a really neat thing that her dna changes she becomes her child uh and we see this fetal cells migrate into the mothers during pregnancy uh it's also called Fetal maternal transfer uh, probably occurs in all pregnancies and in humans. Uh, the fetal cells can persist for decades. All right. Now, I need to point this out, too, uh, for all the ladies out there who don't put a lot of thought into their re reproductive partner. And I really shouldn't have to say that in this day and age, but you kind of have to, right? Because people just procreate and they don't really think about this too much. They don't put a lot of thought into this nowadays. Male fetal uh, progenitor cells, this would be the father, persist in maternal blood for as long as 20 years postpartum. So ladies, um, if you are a mother, you are also your man. Uh, your, your man has, you have become not only a part of your child, but a part of your man. Kind of interesting to think about. All right. So the other thing I was, you know, really thinking about here is how Yehuda was you know talking about how i'm your slave i'm your slave that kind of stuff he's coming before yosef and saying this right he's like release benjamin i will be your slave and so turning to paul's midrash do you guys love that paul's midrash or midrashes paul's midrashes this is what we read in philippians 2 4 through 8 if there be therefore any consolation in mashiach if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirits, if any um, bowels and mercies or bowls, I guess, and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Yahushua HaMashiach, 
who being in the form of Elohim thought it not robbery to be equal with Elohim, but made himself of no reputation. We looked at this in past weeks with Yosef, how Yosef is a picture of Mashiach and he became lowly. He took the form of a slave and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, 4 through 8. Now, what we're finding in this story with the reconciliation of the brothers is that there's a there's a really interesting kind of contrast comparison going on with Yosef and the person who takes a starring role is Yehuda, Judah, and Benjamin. And all three of them kind of have these like messianic um, overtones or undertones, like they're all in, in all three of them. So we see here uh, with Yehuda, this comes from 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, at least as we see in this scene playing out. I exhort there, therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all righteousness and honesty. I was stopping to think about this. I know this is off topic right here, but Paul is saying that we should pray for all the kings and leaders. And I guess for a while this kind of bothered me. Um, but look what he says that we're to pray for, uh, for kings and for all that are in authority, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all righteousness and honesty. He's he's praying that we can live under leaders that allow us to live our lives how we want to live them and pursue the instructions in righteous living, you know, peaceably, right? And that that should be our prayer. I mean, that's a good prayer, like that we can actually meet here uh, online or in physical places wherever and not be shut down, right? That we would have leaders over us, even if, you know, they're the most you know, evil, wicked people, that they just allow us to, to do this. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of Elohim, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, that's a weighty sentence right there. I'm not going to cover that right now. For there is one Elohim and one mediator between Elohim and men, the man, Yehusha HaMashiach, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so here we see in this scene, again, Yehuda playing this part of this mediator um, going before Pharaoh's second in command. Of course, they don't know he's Yosef right, yet, right? And he's trying to ransom Benjamin. Now we see, so there is Yehuda as a type of Mashiach in the scene, but then we see Benjamin, Benjamin as a type of Mashiach. And so this comes from Romans chapter 9. I say the truth in Mashiach, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Ruach HaKadosh that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Mashiach, from my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. So hopefully, you know, one of the reasons I'm quoting from Paul is, or, you know, throughout these New Testament passages is to show the viewer, maybe some of you are new to the Torah and you don't really understand how this works in your life. You can, we, we've been indoctrinated and programmed to shun the first two thirds of the Bible and just pay attention to these epistles at the very end. And then we read things like Revelation and we're taking things completely out of context. You know, the mark of the beast, all this stuff, because we don't even understand what the mark of Yah is. We don't understand what all this stuff in the Torah is to understand that 
these people were writing these letters, these midrashes, and they were just commenting upon the Torah. And so you, you see Paul continually invoke the patriarchs and these stories of the patriarchs. You can see him right here, this story that we're reading right now with Yehuda and trying to ransom his kinsmen um, back. So again, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Mashiach for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Yashualites, to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the Torah and the service of Elohim and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Mashiach came, who is over all, Elohim blessed forever. Amen. Now, frankly, here, what we're seeing is that Mashiach came to unify Yasharel, to bring the brothers, all the tribes together. Uh, just like the story we're seeing where now, keep in mind, they're going to go into Egypt. They're getting, this is like so important that he reconcile the relationship right now between all 12 of the brothers with their father, Yaakov, because they're about to enter Egypt. They're about to go into bondage and slavery. And we see at the other end that they've stuck it out, right? They actually were able to reconcile the relationships and their own descendants were able to, to kind of stick in, uh, stick there together. Uh, Romans 11, 1 through 12. And so this is interesting. So this is where I'm connecting Benjamin with this. You guys know that Paul is a Benjamite. I say then, uh, hath Elohim cast away his people? Elohim forbid, for I also am an Israelite, a Yashualite, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Therefore, anyone who says that Paul is a Jew, that's actually incorrect. He's Benjamite. Um, of, the of the family of Yashuel. Elohim hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. All right, now I want to look at this theme really quickly of two messiahs. If I sound scatterbrained tonight, guys, I'm sorry. I, I've been like, my my thoughts were all over the place as I was doing this study, uh, just looking at all these different things and trying to piece them together. Even some of the, the presentations like I recorded that I'm going to be putting out this week on Leviathan and uh, Atlantis, like all these different like facts and stuff I'm trying to put together and it probably comes across a little scatterbrained. And so I found this really interesting that in the uh, the the Colbrin, the uh, Gospel of Kaleidi, also you guys know the, the books of the Nazarene, uh, here called the Book of the Illuminators. Uh, this came to my attention in here, and there were multiple quotes. I only tracked down one. I was spending like 30 or 40 minutes just like wanting to pull my hair out, try to find these quotes, and I was like, oh, I got to get on with the study. I can't keep looking at this. But all through the Colbrin, the, uh, the Colbrin, all through the books of the Nazarene, they talk about that they're the, the first century Yahudim believed that there were going to be two messiahs. There was going to be the uh, aggressive, physical, warlike messiah, the, the deliverer, redeemer, whatever. And there was going to be the, the, the shepherding, you know, the, the, the suffering servants, sheep messiah. And we see this. Now, many people believe there would be two kinds of deliverers. And a man named Yosef Barabban, that's Barabbas, had many followers. I actually love the story. I just wanted to throw this in here to read this. Yehusha met him at a house in Bethgal. And so, so he actually, he's going to like a house party and he, it's like awkward. He He's there with his Talmudim and he comes across Barabbas and Barabbas has his uh, 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 Talmudim too. And said, why do you declare things which stir up the people? So Yahushua, right, he's the Messiah of peace, and he's coming, you know, shalom. And he's like, look, 
you're you're going around trying to get everyone to riot. What's going on? He actually confronts him face to face, to which the other replied, what concern is it of yours? And Yahushua answered him after this manner. Several men were sitting in a boat, and one began boring a hole beneath, beneath his seats. Seeing this, his companion said, what are you doing here? He answered, what concern is it of yours what I do beneath my own seats? <laughs> and then they replied, surely it is our affair when what you do will swamp the boat, and we will be all thrown into the water. That's actually how that scene ends. We don't know how uh, Barabbas responds, but it just ends like that. And, you know, it's like Yahushua just drops the microphone and, and walks off. All right. Now, again, we see what I'm kind of wanting to, what I was kind of seeing here with this play between Barabbas and Yahushua. Now, I want to be very clear. There's only one, you know, there's only one Mashiach in the Gospels. That's Yahushua HaMashiach. Barabbas was obviously a false uh, Mashiach. And it's interesting, you know, he was the one that the, you know, kind of like the scapegoat, right? That they, they released. Uh, Yosef Benjamin as a second prototype. So let's see. Oh yeah. While in prison, this comes again from the book of the illuminators. While in prison, doubt stirred in the heart of Yochanan, the baptizer. And he sent Talmudim to Yahusha, inquiring whether he felt he was truly Elohim's anointed. For at this time, there was much confusion on the matter. So you could see all these, uh, I, I copied and pasted this from the book that we're selling. You could see like all these scripture references all throughout. When the Talmudim returned, the reply puzzled Yochanan, for they reported Yahushua as saying, I am not he whom you expected or the delivery of these people, but the deliverer of all men. Nevertheless, if only another will change the hearts of the people, I shall not be found wanting. Um, but Yochanan received wisdom and knew he had not erred. So he, he, um, the idea is, is that, you know, in prison, Yochanan started to doubt whether Yahushua really was the anointed one. I love that. It's such a human moment, you know, where he, he put all his cards on Yahushua and now it's like, oh man, things aren't panning out the way I thought. And, and the, the response here that came to him is so brilliant because He's transferring because the only way that Yahushua could be the Messiah they expected was one that would just, you know, rain hailstones on the Romans and just destroy them, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's not about this land. It's about, you know, I'm going to be deliverer of all humanity. All right. And that's what Yosef was, by the way. Um, Yosef and uh, Yosef was the uh, deliverer of all humanity during this uh, this tri this uh, the days of uh, wanting, seven years of famine. All right. But, however, in Yasher 54, we get a very different depiction of uh, Yehuda. And I'm going to read this. This is like, you know, five. It's a, you know, I told you in the past, I skip a lot of these chapters in Jasher because they go on and on and on and on. And you're going to see that in here. And it, it's almost like a very different picture than we read in Bereshith. I almost don't know how to, um, to, to connect the two because... In Bereshith, we get this idea that Yehuda is like, I'm going to be your slave. I'm your servant. You know, just like the dream that uh, Yosef had dreamt. And yet here we see him like, <laughs> like I'm going to, I'm going to pull out at one hair of my my head and I'm going to drown the, you know, all of Egypt with my blood type of thing. I mean, he's like, he's getting really angry. And when Yehuda saw the dealings of Yosef with them, Yehuda approached him and broke open the door. Right. So 
He's kicking down the door. He's coming in to raise hell and came with his brethren before Yosef. Now he's leading the charge, but the it would be the uh, the nine other brothers because uh, Benjamin is under uh, Yosef's care. So the nine, uh, 10 of them and all, they're following him in for the big confrontation. And Yehuda said unto Yosef, let it not seem grievous in the sight of my Lord. May the servant, I pray thee, speak a word before thee. And Yosef said unto him, speak. And Yehuda spoke before Yosef, and his brethren were there standing before them. And Yehuda said unto Yosef, Surely when we first came to our Lord to buy food, thou didst consider us as spies of the land, and we brought Benjamin before thee, and thou still makest sport of us this day. Now therefore let the king hear my words, and, and send, I pray thee, our brother, that he may go along with us to our father, lest thy soul perish this day with all the souls of the inhabitants of Egypt. So did you just get that? So this is a very completely different tone. And this is where I'm kind of getting this idea of the, of the two messiahs in here. You see Yosef being the, the true nature of Mashiach, clearly. I mean, there are probably well over 100 comparisons between him and Yahushua HaMashiach. But then you see Yehuda as almost like the Barabbas type in this story, where he's coming in, and this is how they pictured their Messiah to be. He's going to just you know come in and just single-handedly destroy the Romans, right? He's coming in. He's going to he's going to cause all of Egypt just to, to crumble if he isn't Benjamin back that day. And he just says here, if he doesn't do what he says, even though he's saying like we're your servants, this kind of stuff, it's it's almost like in the the American South, where uh, I, I've learned this living in the South, where people call you sir, and sir can be a very it can be a very uh, respectful like sir, or it could be very threatening like you know like a, like um oh how dare you sir you know. Uh, you know, something like that, right? It's the same thing we do in the church where we call each other brother. Brother can actually be uh, a very passive aggressive term in which, you know, you call someone like, oh man, I just, I, I find some of the most passive aggressive people call me brother, but then they do it in a, such a way that like, now you can't call them, they're passive aggressive, right? They're passive. So they can't be aggressive, right? So when they're using brother, Threatening way, threateningly or in a way that is sarcastic or condescending, you know, you see what I'm saying? So I almost get that here with, with Yehuda, that it may not be always what we think it is. He might be very, uh, like, passive-aggressive in the way he's using slave, servant, so on and so forth. As he says, Let thy, lest thy soul perish this day with all the souls. Of the inhabitants of Egypt, that's that's like laying it down there. Does thou not know what two of my brethren, Simon and Levi, did into the city of Shechem? And so he's saying, like, what they did to Shechem, we're going to do to you, and into seven cities of the Amorites on account of our sister Dinah, and also what they would do for the sake of their brother Benjamin. Now, uh, I I didn't read through all that, but you know, I told you that this war broke out. So they're saying seven cities here of the Amorites. I mean, this was a it went on and on and on for chapter chapter after chapter they're like storming all these cities the brothers and they're just destroying everybody it's this huge epic war and i with my strength who am greater and mightier than both of them come this day upon thee and thy land if thou art unwilling to send our brother hast thou not heard what our allah allah who made choice of us did unto pharaoh on account of sarah our mother whom he took away from our father 
that he smote him and his household with heavy plagues, that even unto this day the Egyptians relate the wonder to each other. So will our Abahayam do unto thee on account of Benjamin, whom thou hast this day taken from his father, and on account of the evils which thou this day heapest over us in thy land. For our Abahayam will remember his covenant with our father Abraham and bring evil upon thee, because thou hast grieved the soul of our father this day. Now, therefore, hear my words that I have this day spoken unto thee. I have spoken. And send our brother that he may go away, lest thou and the people of thy land die by the sword, for you cannot all prevail over me. And Yosef answered Yehuda, saying, Why hast thou opened wide thy mouth, and why dost thou boast over us? Again, so you're not, you know, according to this, you're just not seeing like a really servant attitude coming from Yehuda saying, strength is with thee, as Pharaoh liveth. I, If I command all my valiant men to fight with you, surely thou and these thy brethren will sink in the mire. And Yehuda said unto Yosef, surely it becometh thee and thy people to fear me. As Yahuwah liveth, if I once draw my sword, I shall not sheathe it again until I shall this day have slain all Egypt. You guys get that? Like he's saying, if I pull my sword out, it's not going back in there again until you're all dead. Like I swear by that. And I will commence with thee and finish with Pharaoh, thy master. He's, he's, <laughs> he's saying, Yosef is the first to go, and Pharaoh will be the last to go. And Yosef answered and said unto him, Surely strength belongeth not alone to thee. I am stronger and mightier than thou. Surely if thou drawest thy sword, I will put it to thy neck and the necks of all thy brethren. And Yehuda said unto him, Surely, if I this day open my mouth against thee, I would swallow thee up, that thou be destroyed from off the earth, and perish this day from thy kingdom. And Yosef said, I told you guys, this goes on and on and on. Yosef said, Surely, if thou openest thy mouth, I have power and might to close thy mouth with a stone until thou shalt not be able to utter a word. See how many stones are before us. Truly, I, take, I can take a stone and force it into thy mouth and break thy jaws. That's crazy. <laughs> it's quite the challenge right there. I've never heard another dude be like, I can take a stone and force it into your mouth and force you to close your mouth and break your jaw. And Yehuda said, Allah Hayam is witness between us that we have not hitherto desired to battle with thee. Only give us our brother and we will go free from thee. And Yosef answered and said, as Pharaoh liveth, if all the kings of Canaan came together with you, you should not take him from my hand. Now, therefore, go your way to your father, and your brother shall be unto me for a slave, for he has robbed the king's house. And Yehuda said, What is it to thee or to the character of the king? Surely the king sendeth forth from his house throughout the land, silver and gold, either in gifts or expenses. And thou still talkest about, the, about thy cup, which thou didst place in our brother's bag, and says that he has stolen it from me. Now, this silver cup, uh, I didn't comment on last week. I'm going to comment on this week. It's very, very important. And again, the whole point of this is that uh, Yosef wants to see what, you know, and, you know, what his brothers are going to do to Benjamin. Uh, have they truly repented of what they did to Yosef? Or will they just walk away and, and leave him there? Allah Hayam forbid that our brother Benjamin or any of the seed of Abraham should do this thing to steal from thee or from anyone else, whether king, prince, or any man. Now, therefore, cease this accusation, lest the whole earth hear thy word, saying, 
For a little silver, the king of Egypt wrangled with the men, and he accused them and took their brother for a slave. And Yosef answered and said, Take unto you this cup and go from me and leave your brother for a slave, for it is the judgment of a thief to be a slave. And Yehuda said, Why art thou not ashamed of thy words, to leave our brother and to take thy cup? He's like, this is like so stupid. They were like arguing over this cup. This is the dumbest thing ever. Surely if thou givest us thy cup or a thousand times as much, we will not leave our brother for the silver which is found in the hand of any man, that we will not die over him. And Yosef answered, and why did you forsake your brother and sell him for 20 pieces of silver into this day? See, this is where it's coming with the cup. This is why the, the silver cup is so important to Yosef. He's trying to get this point across to uh, Yehuda. And why then will you not do the same to this, your brother? And Yehuda said, Yahuwah is witness between me and thee that we desire not thy battles. Now therefore give us our brother and we will go from thee without quarreling. And Yosef answered and said, if all the kings of the land should assemble, they will not be able to take your brother from my hand. And Yehuda said, what shall we say unto our father when he seeth that our brother cometh not with us and will grieve over him? I feel like this is where Yehuda kind of, he's starting to kind of slip up here. And I think the fact that he keeps putting this off, like, it's like, dude, like, just pull your sword out and kill everyone, right? Like, why do you keep, put, I, I don't, I think he really doesn't want to do it. Like, I, I think Yehuda knows, like, like, I've been, I, I've got the talk here and he's got a lot to show for, it, right? He took out Shechem and seven other, you know, whole fortified towns. Uh, but I, I think he knows like he can't take out Egypt. And Yosef answered and said, this is the thing which you shall tell unto your father, saying, the rope has gone after the bucket. And Yehuda said, surely thou art a king, surely thou art a king. And why speakest thou these things, giving a false judgment? Woe unto the king who is like unto thee. And Yosef answered and said, there is no false judgment in the word that I spoke on account of your brother Yosef. For all of you sold him to the Midianites for 20 pieces of silver. And you all denied it to your father and said unto him, an evil beast has devoured him. Yosef has been torn to pieces. You know that the brothers are freaking out at this point because they're like, dude. I mean, imagine, imagine if you were in a conversation with somebody and this person was able to point out a sin that you committed 20 years earlier and they know all about it. And you're just like, how in the world? Like this guy's like, omnipotent right he knows everything that's going to really cause them to second guess their ability to you know challenge this guy to a fight and yehuda said behold the fire shem burneth in my heart now i will <laughs> this is such a great line behold the fire shem burneth in my heart now i will burn all your land with fire and yosef answered and said surely <laughs> surely thy sister-in-law tamar who killed your sons, extinguished the fire of Shechem. Ouch. And Yehuda said, if I pluck out a single hair from my flesh, I will fill all Egypt with its blood. And Yosef answered and, it's, <laughs> and, Yosef answered and said, such is your custom to do as you did to your brother whom you sold. And you dipped his coat in blood and brought it to your father in order that he might say, an evil beast devoured him. And here is his blood. And when Yehuda heard this thing, he was exceedingly wroth, and his anger burned within him. 
And there was before him in that place a stone, the weight of which was about 400 shekels. And Yehuda's anger was kindled, and he took the stone in one hand and cast it to the heavens and caught it with his left hand. And he placed it afterward under his legs. It's, it almost reminds me of like, you know, like a, I don't know, like an action film, like with the Mr. Universe, like that. And he just gets like so angry. He just like, you know, crushes something. And he placed it afterward under his legs and he sat upon it with all his strength. And the stone was turned into dust from the force of Yehuda. And Yosef saw the act of Yehuda and he was very much afraid. But he commanded Manesha his son, and he also did with another stone like unto the act of Yehuda. And Yehuda said unto his brethren, so here you see like a, it's, it's kind of letting us in on what's going to happen with Moshe and Pharaoh and the wizards. But in this case, uh, they both worship the same uh, Elohim, uh, Yehuwaha. And they're able to perform the same feats. And Yehuda said unto his brethren, let not any of you say this man is an Egyptian, but by his doing this thing, he is of our father's family. So now Yehuda is putting it together. He's like, okay, he knows all this information that nobody can know this information about Yosef. Somebody talked, you know, loose, leaf, uh, loose lips, sink ships. Somebody talked and this guy cannot be an Egyptian. He's got to be a Hebrew because only we can, you know, only we have the power from uh, Yehuwaha, like quite like this. Not putting it together, though, that it's Yosef. And Yosef said, not to you only is strength given, for we are also powerful men. And why will you boast over us all? And Yehuda said unto Yosef, send, I pray thee, our brother, and ruin not thy country this day. And Yosef answered and said unto them, go and tell your father, an evil beast hath devoured him, as you said concerning your brother Yosef. He just, he's like shoving it. Like this is a total brotherly sibling. Like I could see my sons arguing in this way. And uh, just shoving his face. He's like, look, you did that to me. He doesn't say it to me yet, but he's like, just, just go. You already did it with Yosef. Just go save Benjamin. You know, no big deal, right? You already did it once. And Yehuda spoke to his brother Naphtali and he said to him, make haste, go now and number all. <laughs> I'm having fun reading this. Make haste, go now and number all the streets of Egypt and come and tell me. <laughs> and Simeon said unto him, let not this thing be a trouble to thee. Now I will go to the mount and take up one large stone from the mount and level it at every one in Egypt and kill all that are in it. And Yosef heard all these words that his brethren spoke before him, and they did not know that Yosef understood them, for they imagined that he knew not to speak Hebrew. And Yosef was greatly afraid at the words of his brethren, lest they should destroy Egypt. And he commanded his son Manasseh, saying, Go now, make haste, and gather unto me all the inhabitants of Egypt, and all the valiant men together, and let them come to me now upon horseback and on foot and with all sorts of musical instruments. And Manasseh went and did so. And Naphtali went as Yehuda had commanded him, for Naphtali was light-footed as one of the swift stags, and he would go upon the ears of corn, and they would not break under him. It also talks about that in the um, the testimony of Naphtali uh, in the in the twelve patriarchs. He talks about how he could run uh, swiftly on the ears of corn, and they would not break under him. And he went and numbered all the streets of Egypt, and found them to be twelve. And he came hastily and told Yehuda. And Yehuda said unto his brethren. Hasten you and put on every man his sword upon his loins, and we will come over Egypt and smite them all, and let not a remnant remain. And Yehuda said, Behold, I will destroy thee of the streets with my strength. Oh, I'm sorry. I will destroy three of the streets with my strength, and you shall each destroy one street. And when Yehuda was speaking this thing, 
Behold, the inhabitants of Egypt and all the mighty men came forward with uh, them with all sorts of musical instruments and with loud shouting. And their number was 500 cavalry and 10,000 infantry and 400 men who could fight without sword or spear, only with their hands and strength. And all the mighty men came with great storming and shouting, and they all surrounded the sons of Yaakov and terrified them, and the, and the ground quaked at the sound of the shouting. And when the sons of Yaakov saw these troops, they were greatly afraid of their lives. And Yosef did so in order to terrify the sons of Yaakov to become tranquilized. And Yehuda, seeing some of his brethren terrified, said unto them, Why are you afraid while the grace of Allah Hayam is with us? And when Yehuda saw all the people of Egypt surrounding them at the command of Yosef to terrify them, only Yosef commanded them, saying, Do not touch any of them. Then Yehuda hastened and drew his sword. Uh-oh, remember he said, Once the sword is drawn, it's not going to his sheath again. And uttered a loud and bitter scream. And he smote with his sword, and he sprang upon the ground, and he still continued to shout against all the people. And when he did this thing, Yahuwah caused the terror of Yehuda and his brethren to fall upon the valiant men and all the people that surrounded them. And they all fled at the sound of the shouting, and they were terrified and fell one upon the other. And many of them died as they fell. And they all fled from before Yehuda and his brethren and from before Yosef. And while they were fleeing, Yehuda and his brethren pursued them into the house of Pharaoh, and they all escaped. And Yehuda again sat before Yosef and roared at him like a lion and gave a great and tremendous shriek at him. And the shriek was heard at a distance, and all the inhabitants of Sukkoth heard it. And all Egypt quaked at the sound of the shriek. And also the walls of Egypt and of the land of Goshen fell in from the shaking of the earth. And Pharaoh also fell from his throne upon the ground. And also all the pregnant women of Egypt and Goshen miscarried when they heard the voice of the shaking, for they were terribly afraid. And Pharaoh sent word, saying, what is this thing that has this day happened in the land of Egypt? And they came and told him all the things from beginning to end. And Pharaoh was alarmed and he wondered and was greatly afraid. And his fright increased when he heard all these things. Sorry, I'm blocking this for you guys. And he sent it to Yosef saying, Thou hast brought unto me the Hebrews to destroy all Egypt. What will thou do with the, that thievish slave? Send him away and let him go with his brethren and let us not perish through their evil even we, you, and all Egypt. And if thou desirest not to do this thing, cast off from thee all my valuable things and go with them to their land, if thou delightest in it. For they will this day destroy my whole country and slay all my people. Even all the women of Egypt have miscarried through their screams. See what they have done merely by their shouting and speaking. Moreover, if they fight with the sword, they will destroy the land. Now therefore choose that which thou desirest, whether me or the Hebrews, whether Egypt or the land of the Hebrews. And they came and told Yosef all the words of Pharaoh that he had said concerning him. And Yosef was greatly afraid at the words of Pharaoh, and Yehuda and his brethren were still standing before Yosef, indignant and enraged. And all the sons of Yaakov roared at Yosef, like the roaring of the sea in its waves. And Yosef was greatly afraid of his brethren and on account of Pharaoh. And Yosef sought a pretext to make himself known unto his brethren, lest they should destroy all Egypt. And Yosef commanded his son Manasseh, and Manasseh went and appointed Yehuda, and placed his hand upon his shoulder, and the anger of Yehuda was stilled. And Yehuda said unto his brethren, Let no one of you say that this is the act of an Egyptian youth, for this is the work of my father's house. And Yosef, seeing and knowing that Yehuda's anger was stilled, he approached to speak unto Yehuda in the language of mildness. And Yosef said unto Yehuda, Surely you speak truth, and have this day verified your assertions concerning your strength, and may your Allah Hayam, who delighteth in you, increase your welfare. But tell me truly, why from amongst all thy brethren dost thou wrangle me with on account of the lad, 
as none of them have spoken one word to me concerning them. And Yehuda answered Yosef, saying, Surely thou must know that I was uh, uh, security for the for the lad to his father, saying, If I brought him not unto him, I should bear his blame forever. Therefore have I approached thee from amongst all my brethren, for I saw that thou was unwilling to suffer him to go from thee. Now therefore may I find grace in thy sight, that thou shalt send him to go with us. And behold, I will remain as a substitute for him, to serve thee in whatever thou desirest. So there it is right there. Uh, for whosoever thou shalt send me, I will go to serve thee with great energy. So there we see that's where we kind of connecting with the Bereshith account. And Yehuda's like, look, just, just, I've said all this, but just look, just take Benjamin, let us take Benjamin and you can have me. You can have me as your slave. Send me now to a mighty king who has rebelled against thee, and thou shalt know what I will do unto him and unto the, his land. Though he, it looks like he's selling himself as like a gladiator or something, you know, like a, a mercenary for hire. Although he may have cavalry and infantry or an exceeding mighty people, I will slay them all and, and bring the king's head before thee. Does thou not know or has thou not heard that our father Abraham with his servant Eliezer smote all the kings of Elam with their hosts in one night? They left not one remaining. And ever since that day, our father's strength was given unto us for an inheritance for us and our seed forever. And Yosef answered and said, you speak truth and falsehood is not in your mouth. For it was also told unto us that the Hebrews have power and that Yahuwah, their Allahayam, delighteth much in them. And who then can stand before them? However, on this condition will I send your brother. If you bring before me his brother, the son of his mother, of whom you said that he had gone from you down to Egypt, and it shall come to pass when you bring unto me his brother, I will take him in his stead, because not one of you was security for him to your father. And when he shall come unto me, I will then send with you his brother for whom you have been security. And Yehuda's anger was kindled against Yosef, and he spoke this thing, and his eyes dropped blood with anger. And he said unto his brethren, how doth this man this day seek his own destruction and that of all Egypt? Now I have ended it there. It goes on and on and on. Actually, within about a paragraph or two, they, they come around and realize he's Yosef. Um, crazy passage. And yeah, and I just really wanted to really show there that you, I, I, I see the two Messiah, you know, type there, right? The there's the false messiah that came through Barabbas and his rebel rousers and how they were going to rise up and destroy the Romans. And you see um, you see Yosef there. Um, I want to talk about the silver, but it looks like I have more of Bereshith to read. It looks like I put that a little bit later on. I want to talk about the silver cup and why that's so important. All right, Bereshith 45, 1 through 28, getting back into it. And this actually connects right with where it ended in Jasher. Then Yosef was not able to restrain himself before the officers around him and cried out, Every man go out from me. So not a man remained with him while Yosef made himself known to his brothers. Then Yosef revealed his language to his brothers, and the Matarah uh, heard, and it was reported to the house of Pharaoh. And Yosef said to his brothers, I am Yosef. Does my father yet live? But his brothers were not able to answer him, for they were terrified at the sight of him. Yosef therefore said to his brothers, come near to me. So they approached when he said, I really am Yosef, your brother, whom you sold to go to Mitraim. And I know that with fury and rage in your eyes, you sold me. However, Allah Hayam sent me before you to preserve life. 
For those two years, famine has encircled the land, and for five years more, there will not be plowing or harvest. On that account, Allah Hayam has sent me before you to preserve to you a posterity in the earth and a secure future for your lives. Consequently, it was not you who sent me, but Allah Hayam who appointed me as a father to Pharaoh and an administrator of all his house and a governor for all the land of Mitzrayim. By the way, I also feel that the, the, the whole idea of Yehuda going in there and just, you know, the might of the brothers and we're going to destroy Egypt. I think that Allah Hayam also put that fear into Pharaoh and the people there to be like, you need to, you need to respect these people. These are my people. And you know, some people have a big problem with the idea that, you know, uh, Yehuda was able to do that. Naftali is able to run on top of the, the, the corn and, uh, or the wheat and, you know, Yehuda can like toss these big stones about, but I think that was totally legit in the ancient world. You know, you see, you know, Heracles, for example, I do not believe that Hercules was, Nef uh, was, uh, uh, Nimrod. I know everyone's trying to like, you know, force everyone into Nimrod, uh, like he's Nimrod and he's Nimrod and he's Nimrod and he's Nimrod. I just think that there was these dudes go around, these mighty men who uh, were spokesperson for their their gods, their Elohim, and uh, they were doing some incredible acts back then. Uh, Therefore, arise and go up to my father and say to him, your son Yosef says this, Allah Hayam has appointed me as administrator of uh, Mitzrayim, of all of Mitzrayim. So come down to me. Do not delay. You shall abide in the land of Gashan or Goshen and be near to me, you, your children, and your children's children, with all your sheep and your oxen and all that you have. And I will provide for you there, for there are five years of famine yet. So they're two years into it. For that cause, come down yourself and your family and all that you have, so that my eyes may see you and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, and that my mouth may speak with you. You must also inform my father of all my power among the uh, Mitrian and all that you have seen and cause your father to mount and come down to here. Now, that could be an issue of Yaakov or Yashro coming down to Mitrian. I'll explain in a second. Then he fell upon the necks of his brothers and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. He also kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and afterwards his brothers conversed with him. And a report was communicated to the palace of Pharaoh saying, Yosef brothers have come. And it was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and of his ministers. Um, at least in this case, if we're going to connect the Jasher uh, account, he's kind of like relieved. Like, okay, <laughs> the war is over. We've, we've starved off the war. Pharaoh therefore said to Yosef, say to your brothers thus, load up all of you from the city and go to the land of Canaan and take your father and your families and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Mitzrayim, and you shall be fed on the fat of the land. You yourself also command this to be done. Take from the land of Mitzrayim for your little children and your women and your father and bring them. Care nothing also for the uh, ab abandonment of your goods for the best of the land of Mitzrayim shall be yours. I so wish, I'm reading this now, I so wish I would have put in here the passage where the same thing happened to Yermiyahu, that'd be Jeremiah and Baruch. When the uh, the Babylonians came in and they conquered Jerusalem, who did they slay? They slay all the unrighteous, the people who were being punished, judged by Yahuwah for not keeping his Torah, his commands. And and the the Babylonians come in and who do they give 
the purse of the kingdom to. They actually give the uh, a, an open budget, basically the king's purse to uh, Yirmiyahu, to Jeremiah, and say, you do your mission, what you know your Elohim has called you to do. It's absolutely incredible. And so time and again, we should build a rest assured in this that uh, that you know it's a complete opposite mentality of the the, the rapture mentality that you know we're all gonna you know there's no way that you know Jesus would ever let his bride get battered what you know he's gonna pull us out of here obviously that's not gonna happen the righteous they go through it but the the judgment is always on the unrighteous right the righteous look at look at uh, the the three dudes who were I don't want to say their names. I'm going to butcher them live. Who were thrown into the fiery furnace in Babylon? Everyone else bowed down to the image of the idol. They didn't. They weren't killed. They were thrown and they survived. Same thing with Abraham when he wouldn't worship the idols and Nimrod threw him into the fiery furnace and he survived. It's the righteous that survive. They come out on the other end, and you know, in these reset events, right? And what happens? They've just been given the finest land. They're given the. the uh, Let's see, what does he say? Uh, the fat of the land, and you shall be fed on the fat of the land, according to Pharaoh. He gives them the best. The sons of Yashua accordingly did so, and Yosef gave them wagons from Pharaoh's arsenal and provided provisions for the journey. He also gave all of them a suit of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver. That's interesting. So a lot of silver. There's the silver theme again. And five changes of clothing. <laughs> It's not enough to get through a whole week, but, you know, it's nice he got five days worth of clothing. In addition, he sent uh, to – of course, you know, if you're wearing wool or, you know, you could wear a wool shirt for like, you know, 30 days straight and still be uh, good to go. In addition, he sent to his father 10 male riding asses besides with bread and meat for his father on the way. Thus he sent off his brothers and said to them, do not quarrel on the road. That's the kind of thing that – that's the kind of thing I would tell my sons before sending them off on the road. Do not quarrel on the road. Be kind to your mother. Take care of your mother. They accordingly went out from Mitrim and ascended to the land of Canaan and Yaakov, their father, and reported to him, saying, Yosef is yet alive, and he is also governor of all the land of Mitrim. Can you believe it? Then his heart grew feeble, for he could not believe them. Then they related all that Yosef had said to them. But when he saw the wagons which Yosef had sent to carry himself, then the Ruach of Yaakov, their father, revived. And the Asherah declared, it is enough. My son, Yosef, does live. I will go and see him before I die. All right. Now I'm going to cover that, uh, the idea of Yaakov going to Egypt in just a minute. Finally getting around to the silver cup of forgiveness. Now we see all throughout, uh, all throughout the Torah, all throughout Scripture, that silver is important to the uh, the uh, the price of a servant. We see in Genesis thirty-seven twenty-eight that is what a bear sheath. That is what Yosef was sold for. In Leviticus twenty-seven three through seven, I'm going to get to that in a second. We see it in Zechariah eleven twelve through thirteen. I quoted from that last week when Yahuwah prophesies what he will, what he Yahuwah uh, when he be, he's manifested um, incarnate incarnate as Yahushua Mashiach, what he will be sold as. And then we see that actually happening in Matthew 26, 15, 27, 3, and 27, 9, when Judas Iscariot uh, sells him for uh, 30 pieces of silver. All right, so this is from Leviticus 27, 3 through 7. 
And thy estimation shall be of the male from 20 years old, even unto 60 years old. Even the estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be fe a female, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. And if it be from five years old, even into 20 years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male 20 shekels and for the female 10 shekels. And if it be from a month old, even to five years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male five shekels of silver. And for the female, thy estimation shall be three shekels of silver. Uh, I didn't think about this, but um, hmm, okay, never mind. And it be, if it be from 60 years old and above, if it be male, then thy estimation shall be 15 shekels, and for the female, 10 shekels. I guess the idea if it's six years old or older, they don't have a long time with that individual. But then we see in Bereshith 37.28, uh, Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Yosef out of the pit, and they sold Yosef to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. So there's silver again, right? That what you buy with slaves. And they brought Yosef into Egypt. And we see this here in Bereshith 44.12. And uh, this was last week's. Afterwards, he com commanded his steward, this is Yosef speaking, saying, fill the loads of these men with food as much as they are able to carry and put the money of each on the top of the carts and my cup, the cup of silver, placed at the top of the load of the youngest with the money for his corn. So they did as Yosef ordered. All right, then we now this is where it gets really interesting because this cup is made of silver. And this this had escaped me for the longest time. I didn't really think it's like I, I didn't really think about it, you know, being a cup, but it's a silver cup. And we're gonna see this now in Mark. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Now, you know, we we would all say we've all seen Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. You know, you got to choose wisely. We would all say it's the carpenter's cup, right? But I'm, now I'm thinking, I'm wondering if this was a silver cup. Not, you know, it, it could have been wood, but it could have, you know, been overlaid with silver. You know, very decorative, very, very kingly, right? This was this was a king about to. He had just come. He'd been ridden of uh, coming on the donkey. Um, come in to proclaim his kingdom they had declared him the king and you know it all of course takes a sudden turn this night and he's betrayed and killed you guys know how it goes um but i'm kind of wondering if this was a silver cup and uh, he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood of, of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins and um you know i'm seeing the just the Benjamin, uh, Yehuda, uh, Yosef's story played out here or being referred back to. And then we see this from, ooh, this is from Paul. How fun. For I received from Yahuwah what I also delivered to you, that Yahuwah, Yahusha, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. And, um, you know, it, it, so it seems like this, this cup was so important for the, of course, the transfer of Benjamin, right? And the, I guess you could say the covenant he was making with his brothers, right? He's, 
we see this with Yehusha HaMashiach, that he is trying in his ministry to bring all of Yashrael together. He's trying to bring peace with all the brothers that have been dispersed throughout all the world. And this cup, right, this cup is symbolic of that. The cup of the covenant or the renewed covenant. So the idea of brothers united, all right, we see going bad all through the Torah so far. We saw Cain and Abel uh, was adultery and murder. Cain was born through adultery with the serpents, and then he murdered his brother, Abel, which was born through Adam and Cha'uaha. Then, then we see Ham with his brothers. That didn't go so well. Uh, there was adultery. He uncovered his father's nakedness and had an ancestral relationship, which caused um, Noah to have a fourth son, which was actually also his grandson and really gross. And, of course, he was cursed. Then we see Yitzhak and Yishmael. Um, there was the expulsion of Yishmael, and it, he may have tried to kill Yitzhak as well. Then we saw Yaakov and Esau. Uh, I put their attempted murder because Esau wanted to kill him, and he may have tried to kill him, and he sent the bandits to go kill him. And, of course, there was separation between them. Uh, I didn't read you the whole passage uh, where <laughs> in, uh, in Jubilees where like Esau is going to make war on Yaakov after the death of Yitzhak. And then we uh, Yaakov is like, he's all, he's all bundled up in Yitzhak's tower. It's actually like a tower. And Esau rides up with all his men do, to rain down fury on him. And then we see Yosef and his brothers. This is where it finally takes a turn for the better. Finally, for the first time in the whole of the Bible, it's all going wrong. We see attempted murder, right? They wanted to murder him. Uh, he he's lowered into a pit, sold as a slave. There's separation. There's adultery that goes on. Almost, of course, Yosef passed the test, uh, but we see some not good things happen with uh, Tamar. I guess that's what I meant by the adultery there. Oh no, adultery with a uh, Reuben. Uh, he takes a uh, uh, Bilha, he takes one of the concubines and uh, and his fathers, and so you got you got some adultery there. But then we see forgiveness, reconciliation, and brotherhood. So for the first time, we're ending the book of Genesis. Actually, ends next week, but we're ending it on high notes. Something goes well in Scripture. All right, behold, this comes from Psalm one thirty three one from the Paleo. Behold, as the beautiful song of a harp, that is how pleasant it is when kinsmen. When members of the same tribe sit down and dwell in union with one another. And of course, the idea, of course, right, is that the whole Bible is just rehearsing the Torah over and over and over again. That's a song of ascending of David. We see the same psalm. I, that was uh, Miss Pamela's version. This is just your typical psalm version, 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Right? The brothers coming together in unity. Okay, what do I what do I have here? This is oh Bezora Yochanan, and again you see, uh, Yehusha Hamashiach. His big desire was for the lost sheep of Yasharel, right? He wanted to bring in all the brothers, all the tribes into unity. This is his prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. I love this prayer so much. I have revealed your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have followed your word. Now they have come to know that everything which you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they receive them, and they truly understand that I came forth from you, and they believe that you sent me. I, man, I just, to hear, like, 
this is for me this is the most amazing prayer in all of scripture because to hear the words of actually Yahushua HaMashiach how he prays for the for the children the sons of Allah Hayam and uh man I hope I'm included in this prayer I ask on their behalf I do not ask on behalf of the world but on the behalf of those whom you have given me because they are yours and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine and I've been glorified in them I am no longer going to be in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished except the son of destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. That's kind of interesting because when you... Um, when you look at Psalm 82, actually uh, in Enoch, when it talks about the prophecy, how Yasharel is going to be scattered among the nations and they're handed to the 70 shepherds. And people have expanded how this was like reference to the Sanhedrin and all these different things. I think the most simplest, straightforward explanation is that these are the 70 Elohim that that they were told. He's like, we're going to keep a, a, a list of everyone that goes to you. And if you harm one hair on their heads, like if you do anything you're not supposed to do, we're going to hold this against you. And it said that as soon as Yasharel uh, went to all these different sheepfolds, that the you know they were devouring them like ravenous wolves, just destroying them, even though they weren't supposed to. And so it's interesting here to see that same mindset, right? This is the very reason why Yahuwaha, who was given Yashrel's as inheritance, when all the other Elohim were given their inheritance, the different uh, pieces of the pie. He's the one that actually managed to then inherit the entire world. We see it right here. He says, I was keep the, keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished. So he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He actually uh, he took care of all the sheep, the true shepherd, right? But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. This is amazing, guys, because they were <laughs> they were in Yehuda, they were in Judah, the world, right? The the world, Judah, the world at that time hated them because they were given the word, right? The same word that we have in the Torah, right? They were given the the commands, the instructions, that you know, the goodness of the testimony of Allah Hayam. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So that's that's really great there too, right? That he's praying that what happened in Enoch when the when Yeshua was dispersed, that they were devoured. He's saying, like, I'm praying that that not happen to my sheep. I'm not going to be physically here as a shepherd, so you know, guard and protect them. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I am not asking on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. So he's praying for us. Isn't that amazing? Those who will come in time. That they may, oh, this is what I wanted you to see here though I really want an excuse just to give this amazing prayer, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So um, again, we're seeing Yosef here, right? 
And, you know, the, the word, of course, I've gone over this so many times, it's ikad. And this is one of the big things, one of the big problems with the Trinitarian argument. I was just talking to, to an email correspondent today. I have people, they ask me all the time, all these theological questions. And what about this? And what about that? And, you know, I'm a Trinit, you know, they'll say they're a Trinitarian. And why do you not accept the Trinitarian doctrine and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, there, there's the, the Trinitarians are always so afraid that because the, the idea is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all like co-equal even though Yahushua HaMashiach never once states that he's equal to the Father, he is subject to the Father, uh, he is the Son of the Father, right? Um, but here we see that they are ikad, and that the idea that all of us, all of Israel coming in, if we are saved, if we are, uh, if we are in the covenant, we are grafted into Israel, right? We are the, the children of Yasharel, the, the spiritual lineage through Yitzhak. Um, the idea is that we are all ikad, uh, all coming together, hopefully, and getting along, uh, like uh, Yosef and his brothers were getting along. All right. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Uh, that also comes from Bezora Yochanan chapter 15. Uh, I think the reason I put that in there is because we're seeing the same scene played out with uh, Yehuda. Uh, he's now laying down his life for Benjamin. And, um, and that's, I think, what Yosef really wanted to see. First, Yochanan 3.16 just validates what we just read in Bezor Yochanan. Hereby perceive we the love of Elohim because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, um, you know, since Yahushua HaMashiach, you know, ransomed us through his life, that's how we're to see everybody else, right? We're to lay down our lives for others, be a servant to other people. If you want to truly lead someone, you know, YouTube and other places are filled with people who just want to be heard. Um, they just want to be, you know, really worship. They want, you know, get this subscriber count and all these people to come in and hear their opinion. But, you know, amongst all this truth sharing and all this enlightenment, how many people do we truly see that have the, uh, the true heart of Messiah, that they are willing to lay down their lives to be a servant of all. All right. All right. So more on the coming together of the brothers. I was trying to piece together as much scripture as I could on this tonight. The burden of the word of Yahuwaha for Yashrael saith Yahuwaha. Now, I, it's interesting here because this is Yahuwaha speaking, right? So constantly it's just I really woken up to this idea that Yahuwaha is Yahusha HaMashiach, right? I always thought Yahuwaha or Yahuwah was the father. Um, and now I'm looking at this and going, no, the father is Allah Hayam. This is Yahuwaha, Yahuwah. Yahweh was always the son. And he says, this is, so this is Yahuwaha speaking, which stretches forth the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the Ruach of man within him. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Yerushalayim. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Who is that? Uh, that they're going to look upon? They're going to look upon Yahuwah, whom they have pierced. 
and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. This is the coming together of Yehuda with Yosef, right? Coming together and recognizing they look upon Yosef and they realize this is the one that we threw in the pit. This is the one that we sold as a slave. And, you know, he has had, he, he is now in glory and power. And we are just like the dream. We are now worshiping him, essentially, right? His mercy. And he has been merciful to us. You know, here Yehuda the whole time was threatening how he could kill him and all this kind of stuff. And the whole time, Yosef, I think, was just showing mercy and grace to him. Zechariah chapter 12, uh, verse 1 and 9 through 10. And then we see in, let's see, where are we looking at next? Well, this is a big passage. Oh, Ezekiel. Well, this is a good one. Um, they're, not that they're not all good. The word of Yahuwah came again unto me, saying, so this is Ezekiel talking. Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Yehuda. So you got a stick for Judah and for the children of Yashuel and his companions. Companions. So remember now, Yehuda is coming. This is, we're just seeing the same story rehearsed. Yehuda is coming as a representation of all his brothers. And of course, he's speaking on the behalf of Benjamin. And then on the other corner is Yosef. Then take another stick and write upon it for Yosef. There it is. Yehuda, Yosef. The stick of Ephraim and for all the house of Yashorel, his companions. And remember now, the, the salvation message is going out through Ephraim. It's just anybody here who's listening and you're like, what, I'm supposed to be grafted into Israel? Uh, you know, like, what tribe am I in? You're not, you're not, it seems like everyone goes off the, runs off to Judah. No, no, no. You're grafted into Ephraim through Yosef, right? And for all the house of Yashro, his companions. All right. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thy hand. And when, and we see the, the unification there of Yehuda and Yosef once again. And that, you know, nothing happens to the patriarchs that did not happen to the rest of Israel, right? We're seeing this cyclically happen through history. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these, saying to them, Thus saith Yahuwah Allahayam, Behold, I will take the stick of Yosef, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Yashro his, his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Yehuda, and make them one stick and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith Yahuwah Alahayam, Behold, I will take the children of Yashorel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Yasharel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Uh, in case you're wondering, I think this was fulfilled. I could talk about that if you guys would like. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their Allah Hayam. And David, my servant, this really trips me out. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all, all shall have one shepherd, and they shall walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given into Yaakov, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. Now, 
this right here, it's you know, I've been asked this question. I've had people when they you know fall away from the faith, they love to bring this one up and say, Oh my goodness, it's not true. Yahushua's not Messiah, it's David, he was the Messiah. And it's like, but then you go over to like rabbinical Judaism, and even they're like, No, 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 no. It's talking about the house of David here. Okay, it's not it's not actually saying David. Now I'm open to the idea that David was actually like a big deal during the millennial kingdom, like you know. Could have been like a kind of like um like Yosef was to Pharaoh, right? Like the second command or something like that. I could totally see that situation. Uh, there's like a co-rulership or something like that. But I think first and foremost, I would you know agree with rabbinical Judaism on this one. You know, there might have different camps. You know, some people, some of them may say that David's going to return. I don't really know. I haven't really heard too much about that. Uh, but that you know, this is talking about the house of David, which we know Yehusha Mashiach was. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their Allah and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, Yahuwah, do sanctify Yasharel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Ezekiel 37, 15 through 28. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I think in all these instances, it seems very clear to me that it's talking about, you know, the true Jerusalem, right? The new Jerusalem. We saw this since I did a video on this this week where, you know, talked about second Baruch where, uh, you know, Yahuwah says, you know, that that sanctuary that you see in Jerusalem, I'm not talking about that. That was just modeled after a Jerusalem in heaven, a temple in the heavens. Uh, and of course, Abraham was looking for the true promised land. Same thing. And I think that this, the true Zion, the true Israel, all these things, that is in what I, you know, I call the hidden wilderness. Um, I think that's where the unification happened, where they all came together. I should have put a picture of the British flag here. I meant to. I'm so sorry I didn't. But we see, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations, a sign, a flag, and shall assemble the outcasts of Yashorel and gather together the dispersed of Yehuda from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Yehuda shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Yehuda, and Yehuda shall not vex Ephraim. And of course, Ephraim is the son of Yosef, right? So you got Yosef, Yehuda, the two of them going back and forth, back and forth. And of course, you know, I believe that that also came about too. And you see it all over the world with the Tav and the flags. Uh, British is a, the Britain is a great example with the lion and the unicorn. The unicorn being for Manesha, Ephraim. And of course, the lion for Judah. And what are they telling us? They're telling us that they came and co-ruled together and they did not vex the other. All right. Continuing with Bereshith 46, 1 through 7. Hold on, I need a drink of coffee here. Wow, being good on time. We're like an hour and a half into this. Yashorel consequently marched and all that were with him and went to the well of the oath. Does that ring a bell to you guys? The will of the oath. We've been there a few times before. And offered all. Um, okay, yeah. So this is what I want to talk about too. Um, you know, Yaakov has been told to go to Egypt. And so this is, he, he was told by Yosef to go to Egypt. And he's in his mind, he's going, I don't know if that's a good idea. And he's, he, he takes it to Allah Hayam. He takes it to Yahuwah. And that's the question he asks. Can I, am I allowed to go to Egypt? And he knows what's going to happen when he goes to Egypt, too. He knows. He's been told through Yitchak, through Abraham, what's going to happen. Then Allah Hayam appeared to Yasharel in a vision at night and declared, Yaakov, Yaakov. And he replied, I am here. Let me tell you right now, if 
Allah Hayam ever calls your name, all right? Pick, you know, who do we got in here? We got Dave, we got Polly, we got Pamela, we got Stephanie, we got Don. If he ever says Don, Don, and you reply, I am here. Let me just tell you that when that happens in scripture, something big is about to go down. Like, you know, get ready to grow that beard and get the, the staff and start walking because it's going to be quite the journey. When he answered, I am, uh, when he answered, I am the Al Alahaya of your father, Yitchak. Fear not. Go down to Mitrim, for you shall become a great nation there. That's kind of interesting. It seems like, you know, he knows that he's going to become a great nation in uh, Canaan, but, you know, he, he knows that they're going to go down to Egypt eventually, but it's not going to be great when they go there. But here he's saying, you're going to become a great nation there. I, even I, shall go down with you into Mitrim, and I will support you. That's comforting. And Yosef shall place his hands upon your eyes. And Yaakov afterwards arose from the well of the oath. And the sons of Yashrael carried Yaakov, their father, and the children and women in the wagons with Pharaoh, and uh, which Pharaoh had sent to carry them in. They also took their herds and the property they had purchased in the land of Canaan and went to Mitraim. Yaakov and all his race with him, his sons and sons of his sons with him, the daughters, his daughters and his daughters' sons and all his race with him to Mitraim. All right. So the idea is, is that we know with Yitshak that he was to remain in the land. He was an ascending uh, offering, an ascending sacrifice on Mount Zion or uh, the mountain of worship there. And he was told never to leave the land again. It's really interesting. He couldn't go back to find a wife. He had to stay there. Don't go to Egypt. Uh, and, well, okay. So here we see right here in uh, Bereshith chapter 26. Let me just read it instead of telling it to you. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So this is in Yitshak. Went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, into Gerar. And Yahuwah appeared into him and said, go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. So he was instructed never to leave. So Yaakov knows this. Now we know that Yaakov went to find a wife. It was like a 20-year ordeal with uh, Laban and all that kind of stuff. You guys know about all that. But still, though, he's like, just because I did it once doesn't mean I do it again. So Interestingly enough, all of this happens after the death of Yitshak. In those days, after the death of Yitshak, Yahuwah commanded and caused a famine upon the whole earth. So it was the perfect timing because Yitshak could not go down to Egypt. And this happened in the second year of the famine. So he dies before the famine. Then the famine can happen because now Yaakov needs to go down. All right. And then we see the well of the oath. Uh, see, this is from uh, this is some from from somewhere in Bereshith. They accordingly called the place uh, Bera Shabiah, the Well of the Oath, and he entered into a treaty at the Well of the Oath uh, with both Abimelech and Phaecal, the commander of his army. They then returned to the land of uh, the Philistines. They also planted tamarisk trees by the Well of the Oath, and there, on the name of Yahuwah Al um, the Ever Living Eternal, all. So Abraham remained in the land of Thalathuyam uh, for many days. So the well of the oath is, looks like it is 
planted or built by Abraham. So again, we see the well of the oath and who goes there? Abraham builds it. And now Yaakov went forth from the well of the oath and uh, traveled to Haran. And he reached a searching place and lodged there for it was sunset. So he took one of the stones of the place and put it for a bitter headrest and laid himself down in that spot. Then he dreamed and behold, he saw a ladder with its foot on the earth and its head reaching to, to the Shamayam, the heavens. You guys know the story, Jacob's ladder, right? So it happens right after he leaves the well of the oath. So where's the first place that Yaakov goes to when he's told that his son is alive and that he's co-rule or second in command uh, over Egypt right under Pharaoh? And he's like, he wants you to come out. Pharaoh is giving you this whole parade. He's going to, you know, he's he's supplying all the moving trucks. All you have to do is sit there. You don't even have to walk. None of your children have to walk. We'll carry you in chairs. I mean, he probably brought like slaves down to carry him the whole way. And he's like, whoa, I need to go. I need to go speak to um, uh, Yahuwah about this. So that's kind of cool that, you know, he goes to the well of the oath and he's met there. And Allah speaks to him. So on the on the point of I am here, okay, we see the same verbiage. I actually checked. Uh, I wasn't able to look at Pamela's Exodus yet, but I was looking. She put the same verbiage in there uh, earlier on. After these events, Allahayam tried Abraham and said to him, Abraham. So he calls his name and he's and he replied, I am here. And what happens? Then he said, Take your son, your peculiar one whom you love, Yitchak, and go to the land of vision and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the hills, which I will point out to you. So, um, yeah, same thing happens, right? And then we see another I am here moment. We, we will in just about two weeks. Uh, so when Yahuwah saw that he turned aside to look, uh, Allah Hayam called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe, and he said, I am here. And, of course, we know what happens. He sends them down to Mitrine to uh, confront Pharaoh and let my people go. All right, I think um, we're right on track. And I think for the rest of this, I'm just going to read the rest of the portion. You know, whenever I do these Torah portions week after week after week, I'm like, when am I going to put most of my focus on tonight, the front end or the back end? And I've been finding, I think, week after week that I put most of my focus on the front end, not so much on the back end. The roll call of the patriarchs. Now these are the names of the sons of Yashrael who went to Mitrim. Yaakov and the eldest son of Yaakov was Reuben. And the sons of Reuben were, uh, I'm sorry guys, this is one of the sections where I butcher the names. I'm going to try. Uh, Chaniwak, Fala Yua, uh, Chatsaratwan, and Karamea. And the sons of, uh, the good news is you guys can read along. <laughs> <laughs> and and figure out how much I'm butchering these. Maybe you guys can do better. And the sons of uh, Simon or Shama uh, Yuan were uh, Yamuel and Yamayan and Ahad and Yakayan and Zechar. And the sons of Levi or La Yuaya were uh, Gashuan, uh, Kuhath, and Merara. Yeah. And the sons of Yehuda were Er and Yuanan. And Shalaha and Ferats and Zarak. But Er and uh, Iwanan died in the land of Canaan. You guys remember that story with uh, Tamar uh, and their wicked uh, and their wicked mother. And the sons of Ferats uh, were uh, Chatzarahwan and Chamuel. And the sons of uh, Yishakar were 
Fua Lea and Fawaha and uh, Yaiwab and Chamarawan. And the sons of Zebulun were Sarad and Aliwan and Yekala Al. These are the sons of uh, Levi, or Laaha, sorry, whom she bore. Uh, this would be Leah. These are the sons of La, uh, Leha, or Leah, whom she bore to Yaakov and Padamaram, and along with uh, Dinah, his daughter. The entirety of his sons and daughters were 30 and 3. This had to be such an exciting uh, passage of scripture to read. If you're in the wilderness and you're wandering and Moshe is handing you this book and you're only a couple generations removed, like these right here, this is talking about your great-grandfather and maybe even your grandfather. I mean, these are people whom they were probably still alive when maybe you were like a very little child and you remember sitting on their lap, like, I know those people, you know, I sat at their table. Like this is your family story being told here. And the sons of Gad were uh, Zephayawan and Chagaya, uh, Shah, Iwanua, and Atzban, and um, Eri, um, oh man, I hope you guys are in, in, enjoying me butchering this, um, Eraya and uh Oh man, Ara, Raya, and Ara Lea, and the sons of Asher were Yamanuha and Yasha Waha and Yasha Yah and Bera Yaha and Sharak, their sister. And the sons of uh, Bera Yaha were Chabar and uh, Malachiel. These are the sons of Zalafaha from whom Laban gifted to Leah, his daughter, and she bore these into Yaakov 16 Nefash. The sons of Rachel, uh, Yaakov's woman, were Yosef and Benjamin. We know those two. And those brought forth unto Yosef in the land of Mitrim were Manusha and Ephraim, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of An, bore. And the sons of Benjamin were Bele and Bekar and Ashabol and Gara and New Amon, um, Achaiah, and Rosh, uh, Maphayam, and Chaphayam, and Arad. Now, these are all Benjamin's sons. I think, I, I wish I would have put in here in Yasher, he married, like, multiple wives. He was, like, the only one. Like, all the others kind of married one wife. He had, like, at least two wives. And so by the time he's a, a prisoner in Mitrim, he's got these wives and all these children back, back home. Something that was like never mentioned in the Torah until now, I don't think. These are the sons of Rachel who were born unto Yaakov. All the Nefesh were 14. And the sons of Dan were uh, Chasayam. And the sons of uh, Neftali were Yetzel and Gawanuya and Yatsar and Shalom. These were the sons of uh, uh, Belahaha or uh, Boha, which Laban gifted into Rachel. His daughter, and she bore these unto Yaakov. All the Nefesh were seven. All the Nefesh who came with Yaakov into Mitzrayim, coming out of his thigh, all the Nefesh are seventy. And Yehuda had sent before him unto Yosef to find directions before him to Geshan. And they came into the land of Geshan, and Yosef harnessed his chariot and went up to meet Yasharel, his father. And he approached unto him, and he fell down on his neck and wept upon his neck a long time. And Yasharel declared unto Yosef, I will die in one stroke, since I have seen your face, because you are yet alive. Isn't that interesting how it started with, with him saying that, like, if Benjamin dies, I'm going to die. But now that he is, Benjamin doesn't die, and now he sees Yosef alive, and he's like, uh, like 
<laughs> I will die in one stroke because now I've finally seen you alive. And Yosef declared unto his brothers and into the house of his father, I will go up and speak unto Pharaoh and saying to them, My brothers and the house of my father who were in the land of Canaan have come in unto me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been men of uh, livestock and their flock and their herds, and they have brought all which they possess, and it shall exist. When Pharaoh calls out to you and asks your occupation that you will declare, your slaves have been men of livestock from our youth, even to this time, in order that you may exist in the land of Gashan, uh, Goshen, for shepherds are an abomination unto the Metreid. That's kind of a nice way to say to introduce yourself to Pharaoh, saying, just letting you know you're going, you're going to tell them what you are, and that's an abomination. Like, you know, but it's it's interesting too that the contrast here is that according to Pharaoh, Gashan or Goshen was the fat of the land. It was the nicest part of Egypt that they were given, even though they were an abomination. Go figure. So this this just goes to sell, show that you know I say this all the time with like our controllers, and everyone is so concerned about you know ending up the FEMA camps and all these different things. I don't know what the future holds, right? But according to the Bible, it tells me that the righteous get you know they come through at the end, and and even though Pharaoh and the Egyptians were appalled at their lifestyle. You know they, they didn't they didn't want to be righteous right they didn't want to follow the hebrew faith they didn't want yahuwah to be their Elohim. we saw this already with yaakov going around and they were burying the wells you know they wanted to cover up the the Elohim of abraham they still they just keep you know uh they just keep being blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed by even their controllers now we're going to see the situation change uh change in a couple weeks with slavery we'll get there <laughs> It tells our story actually uh, magnificently. And Yosef, he came and told Pharaoh and declared, My father and my brothers and their livestock and all they possess are come out of the land of Canaan. Behold, they are in the land of Geshan. And from the whole of his brothers, he took five men and set them before the face of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh spoke unto his brothers, What is your occupation? And they declared unto Pharaoh, Your slaves are shepherds of small cattle, both we and our fathers. And they said unto Pharaoh, as strangers in the land are we come, for we have no pasture for our small cattle, for the famine is grievous in the land of Canaan. Now we beseech you, allow your slaves to settle down to dwell in the land of Gashan. And Pharaoh spoke to Yosef, saying, Your father and your brothers have come unto you. The land of Mitrim is before your face. Make them to dwell in the best part of the land. Your father and your brothers allow them to settle down to dwell in the land of Gashan. And if you know among them any man of skill, Appoint them as overseers for my own livestock. And Yosef brought in Yaakov's father and caused him to stand up before the face of Pharaoh. That's kind of interesting that um, the idea of, so the old man is coming in and standing up. And, you know, that, that it's, yeah, I, I think Job had a, I wish I would have put in here, you know, Job talking about that as well, that, you know, um, that men, Job comes in and he's so revered that like men sit down when he enters the room out of total respect for the old man. And Yaakov, he did Barak Pharaoh. He blessed him. And Pharaoh spoke unto Yaakov, how many years have you existed? When Yaakov replied unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning have been 130 years. Few and evil have been the years of the days of my existence. 
and they have not reached the days of the years of my father's existence in the days of their sojourning. Then Yaakov, he did Barak Pharaoh and retired from the presence of Pharaoh. Yosef afterwards settled his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Mitraim in the best district in the country of uh, Ra uh, Masas, as he was commanded. Yosef also provided for his father and his brothers and all the families according to their offspring. The history of Matsurim's uh, famine continued. Bread failed in all the country, for the famine was very grievous. In the land of Mitraim and the land of Canaan fainted before the famine. Therefore, Yosef gathered all the money he found in the land of Mitraim and in the land of Canaan. And all the Mitraim Mitri came to Yosef for the corn they bought. And Yosef brought the money to the treasury of Pharaoh. That, now keep in mind that the Hebrews, uh, Yaakov and his family came in like right after the second year. So like, they're, I guess in the third year now, and it's still a long ways to go. It's still really bad. Thus he collected the money from the land of Mitraim and the land of Canaan. Then all the Mitraim came to Yosef to say, provide bread for us that we may not die before you for our silver is exhausted. Yosef, however, answered them, bring your cattle and I will sell it uh, for your cattle instead of, uh, instead of for silver. Consequently, they brought their cattle to Yosef, and he gave them bread for horses and cattle and sheep, for herd of oxen and asses. Seeing late, guys, he supplied them with bread in exchange for all their cattle that year. But they, but that year ended. So they came to him in the next year and said to him, "We have kept back nothing from Adoniah. We have nothing left except our bodies and our land. Why should we ourselves die before your eyes? But to yourself, our land for bread." and we, our land, will be slaves unto Pharaoh. Thus the Mitraes sold everyone his farm, for the famine was cruel upon them. Now keep in mind here, we're going to see this. I'm going to show you this when we get into Exodus, and when uh, the Hebrews become slaves. Nobody really knows how the Hebrews became slaves, but then Jasher tells us, and it's a scene very similar to this. In order to become a slave, you you really have to give your consent. You have to be, give your consent to be ruled. And here they're coming and they're giving their consent. Now, these aren't the Hebrews here. These are the Egyptians. Uh, this, the Matarais sold everyone his farm for the famine was cruel upon them, and the land became Pharaoh's. But he transferred the people upon it to fresh villages from one extremity of Mitraim to the other extremity of it. And the, the key here is that the land now has become Pharaoh's, right? So this is actually in a way, um, describing like a might of Egypt that has never been experienced before, but it's all falling into Yahuwah's hands. He's doing this, right, to, to make himself known. We're going to see this big buildup. It's like if we've learned anything from Yosef's life, it's all so that Yahuwah can be glorified, and we're going to see the same thing happening here. Except he did not buy the lands of the priesthood, for he had protected the priesthood by laws from Pharaoh, and they were fed with rations provided for them. Therefore, he did not buy their land. And that's interesting. So the, the priesthood of Egypt, the lands not being uh, sold to Egypt, we're going to see the same thing in Joshua with Levi. There's, you know, it seemed like they had, apparently they had similar ideas as the priests of Egypt, as we see in the Torah. Then Yosef proclaimed unto the nation, You see, I have, I have bought you today in your land for Pharaoh. I will supply seed to you, and you can sow the land. But of its produce, you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be for yourselves to sow the fields and to feed you along with those you, you employ, and as food for your offspring. 
They thereupon replied, Our lives have found favor in the sight of my Adon, and we will be slaves of Pharaoh. So Yosef made it an ordinance to this day that the land of Mitzrayim was Pharaoh's for the fifth tax, except the lands of the priesthood, which were not to become Pharaoh's. Yosef also settled the Asherah in the land of Mitzrayim in the district of Gashan, and they possessed there and flourished and increased greatly. That's how it ends. So keep in mind, the Egyptians are selling themselves as slaves. The Hebrews have not done that yet. All right, so they end on a positive note, and this concludes our Torah portions about 10 minutes early tonight. I'm doing really well. hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, a lot of reading, um, and um, I think, you know, I'm at the end of it, so I can explain, I can say this now. I shouldn't say it at the beginning because, it, you know, people will be like, well, I'm not listening to this then. But, uh, you know, the last two Torah portions of Genesis are kind of hard. Like, they're, they're, for some reason, like, you know, the first 10 are like, awesome i love them and then you get to the last couple and it's like oh man this is tough to find material on uh hopefully i wasn't too scatterbrained tonight hope you guys enjoyed that and we'll do this again next week we'll make this attrition uh, i am so excited to get uh i have yet to read pamela's exodus exodus um or shemoth uh paleo hebrew uh but we're going to be getting that in hot off the press real soon here and be premiering it and we'll put it up uh, so you guys can get a copy and read along. And uh, for those of you who are tuning out for the night, uh, Shabbat Shalom one last time. I'm going to be taking a short break, and then I'm going to be picking it up in about 10 minutes and reading from – what am I reading from? Oh, yeah, doing something on sea serpents tonight. So the, the history of sea serpents in modern times. And uh, good night, everybody. <laughs>